0: can ascend the hill of the Lord, only those with clean hands and a pure heart. There's not many of us, are there? Psalm 26 is a psalm of David, starting at verse 1. Vindicate me, Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord and have not faltered. Test me, Lord, and try me, examine my heart and my mind, for I, for I have always been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. I do not sit with the deceitful, nor do I associate with hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evildoers and I refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and I go about your altar, Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling all your wonderful deeds." Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Do not take my soul along with sinners, my life with those who are bloodthirsty, in whose hands are wicked schemes, whose right hands are full of bribes. I lead a blameless life. Deliver me and be merciful to me. My feet stand on level ground in the congregation. I will praise the Lord. Amen.
1: Let's pray as we come to the Word. Father, open up this psalm to our understanding and soften our hearts to receive your Word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Series. It's a dangerous series we're doing at the moment. I've titled it The Way of the Righteous. And as I said In my first talk, it's dangerous because you can perhaps start to think, I stand in the way of the righteous and I am therefore better than you who do not stand in the way of the righteous. We puff ourselves up. We say, don't really need a saviour because I'm doing it all right If we were to do that with this series of three talks in the Psalms, Psalm 24, 25 and 26, that would actually be anti-gospel against the good news of Jesus. And this, I think, is a thoroughly gospel series as every talk from the Holy Bible should be. You see, the gospel affirms that there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who does good except for the Lord Jesus the Holy Son of God. And our righteousness, as we just sang, fancy words, but if you wrestle with those words, great words in that song, our righteousness is based purely on Jesus and is received by putting our faith in him. When we trust in Jesus, there's this transfer that occurs. We deserve judgment, punishment, death for our sin, but that is laid upon Jesus. He takes our Punishment faces the judgment for us. We receive his life as he is raised from the dead as we unite with him so his life, his resurrection life comes and becomes our life. There's a transfer. His righteousness, the Holy Son of God who never did any sin is transferred to us and accounted to us so that we are righteous. So every Christian can say I stand Stand in the way of the righteous, but only in Christ. My beauty is my glorious dress. my glorious dress, Jesus is in my blood and righteousness. It's a beautiful, beautifully expressed in Ephesians chapter two, one of my favorite passages, gospel all the way through, chapter verse five. Verse four because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace you have been saved. Down in verse 8, for it's by grace, God's gift, that you've been saved. And this through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. It's not by works, it's not by what you do, so that no one can boast. This gospel is good news for sinners. And I think we've actually seen this as we've been th- through these two Psalms so far in this series The Way of, righteous, of the Righteous. In my first talk, in the first talk, I was we looked at Psalm twenty four. Who can stand in the presence of the King Almighty? Well, only the righteous. And they're only made righteous by God's work as they humbly come to Him and seek His face and receive Him as He comes to them, the King of glory. The king of glory, who as we find as we read through the scriptures, is the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's a gospel psalm. Psalm 25, we looked at last week, I titled it The Way of Salvation. Salvation is found as we call out to God in humble faith. We say, save me Lord, and we trust his character, his loving kindness and his mercy And He, though we are trapped in sin and trapped in the net, He transfers us from the way of the unrighteous to the way of the righteous as we put our faith in Him. And He does it, as we saw it at the very last verse, through a ransom, through a price paid. Well, as we read on through the Scriptures, that price, that redemption is made through the Lord Jesus Christ, His Son. See, Psalm 25 is all gospel. Psalm 26, today's psalm, is the psalm of the three that most neatly fits this theme, the way of the righteous. It's a psalm of David, King David, as the other two were, it's a psalm of great confidence, as Johnny read, Vindicate me, Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord and have not faltered." I have always been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance upon you. I don't associate with wicked people. I love your house. I lead a blameless life. It sounds like a boast, doesn't it? David's telling us, I walk in the way of the righteous. But has David done what I risked? warned of this dangerous series is David saying I am righteous when in fact there are none righteous and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the scriptures consistently tell us that self-righteousness is abhorrent to God it's the the ultimate anti-God statement when I think I'm righteous in my own strength so is this psalm as we've gone gospel, gospel, anti gospel, Psalm twenty six? It's it's got some issues there to wrestle with if you just look at it. What's it about? Well, I as I always do, I one way or another, I went and looked for some help as I prepared this message. And I thought, listen, I'll go and see if I can find some talks by people whom I would trust who would be good speakers on this passage and see what they thought so i i went to clayton tv which rod earnshaw's wife zoe organizes in the uk and they had 105 talks on the psalms and they didn't have one talk on psalm 26 but that's okay there's 150 psalms there's a lot of them so i thought i'll go to the gospel coalition now the gospel coalition they're all these super duper gurus some of our people, it might be your Christian heroes, John Pipers or Mark Devers or other guys whose names I can never remember at the right time. But lots of people I associate with go to the Gospel Coalition. These guys say, we're all about the Gospel. We're all about teaching the Bible. And on their website there are 633 talks or articles on the Psalms. They're all listed. You can look them all up. So I go on their website, fantastic. So that's over four per Psalm. Psalm 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 23, 24, 25, 27, 28. What happened to Psalm 26? There's no talk on Psalm 26. It's it's, it's unloved. It's forgotten. And maybe for the Gospel Coalition it's because it's the anti-Gospel Psalm. I don't know. Maybe it's just too hard. So I kept wrestling and I am thoroughly convinced that this is the most gospel-affirming, Jesus-exalting psalm. It's a beautiful, beautiful poem that we need to hear because David is not saying, look at how I've saved myself. Aren't I good? David is saying, however, I am standing in the way of the righteous. Bold and confident with full assurance. With full assurance of my salvation. And so this is a very powerful and important psalm because I know that many of you struggle with assurance. Does God love me? Will he accept me? You see, I fail again and again frankly, I feel crap about myself every day. I think God's going to feel good about me because he sees me better than anybody does. Maybe we take our baggage from our upbringing or our baggage from our insecurities we haven't dealt with and we dump it upon our faith and we dump it upon God and I am not worthy to be loved, to be accepted by the King Almighty. And if that is how you feel, and I know many of us feel that way, we feel weighed down by our sin, could never be forgiven. There's something I did, could never be forgiven. If that is your background noise, this is a psalm for you. Because that is not what God wants for his people. He wants us to stand in his presence, boldly, in the way of the righteous, on solid ground. So David's psalm, this unwanted 26, tells us how we can be sure that we're standing on solid ground before God. As with the other psalms we've looked at, it actually begins and is founded on the way of faith. Verse 1. Vindicate me, Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord and have not faltered. Now, I have to do this. I hate doing this, but I have to tell you some stuff about translation. I don't like the way that verse was translated, and there's no other way for me to say it. It could be translated that way, but a more natural way uh, if you just took the basic root. Words have a range of meanings, right? And translators sit and say, What's he saying here? David is saying more basically, I think, judge me, Lord. Not vindicate, but you examine, Lord. You judge me, for I have walked in or with integrity. They've said, led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord. I will not slip. I think that's a better translation, a separate sentence. I will not slip. I will not fall, I will not slide down. The most important part of the verse, I think they got it 100% right, and there's not many options there, I have trusted in the Lord, I have trusted in Yahweh. In other words, the centre of my confidence as I ask God to judge me is my faith in the Lord. I'm leaning on you, Lord, Test me, Lord. So here's the same idea. Test me, Lord, and try me, examine my heart and my mind. For I have always been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. Again, perhaps more literally, your steadfast love has always been before my eyes. It's always been in my consciousness and my presence. I have walked around in your truth I'm dwelling, I'm residing, I'm happening in your faithfulness. In other words, Lord, everything I have is about you and your mercy and your loving kindness and your truth. David is not trusting himself. He is trusting his God The faithful one, the the God of unfailing, steadfast love. And that is his confidence. Lord, you are my hope. You are my confidence. Throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, whether it be King David, whether it be you or me, we are always saved by God's grace through faith. It's the gift of God. It starts with him and with his character and what he has done, and what he has promised to do. I will trust that. That is gospel truth. And that is where David starts. And when we trust in God, and not ourselves, we have assurance. We have confidence. Because it doesn't depend upon us. It doesn't depend upon how crap I feel about myself. It doesn't depend upon my insecurities or my upbringing or my past failings. It all depends upon the mercy and the goodness of God who has promised good things for me because he loves me. Because of his will and his intention. All we have to do is hear, believe and obey to use our theme for this year. Entrust ourselves to God and His rule. The grounds for my assurance that I stand on solid ground is not my own righteousness, but God's goodness. Not because of myself, but God. My hope is not in myself, my hope is in my God. I am walking around, not looking at myself, but looking at the Lord and His steadfast love. That is where David starts. The way of faith is the way of the righteous. And biblical faith always works. Faith always works. The Bible does not, and frankly no one in the world does if they think about it. The Bible sees no. has no concept of an empty, I speak that I believe but I don't act on my belief. Faith always acts on what it believes. If you act on what you believe, that is evidence that you truly believe. If you do not act on what you say you believe, that is evidence that you do not truly believe. This is very simple. BHP shares, they're going up 25% by Friday. If I believe that, I will liquidate every asset I can. I will borrow as much money as I possibly can and I will put it all on BHP shares. I'd be crazy not to. And so would you if you believed that. If I'm boasting and telling you what a stock market expert I am, so I think BHP shares are going to go up 25% by the end of the week, but I don't act on it. I don't really believe that. I'm just full of hot air. Faith always works. Otherwise, it's just bold claims. Do you act on your faith? You see, the way of the righteous is also the way of integrity. Because faith works. I'll get you to click along one at the back. Faith always works. Judge me, Lord, for I am walking or I walk in integrity. There's a better translation, I believe. I have trusted in the Lord. I will not slip. This word I'm saying, it says here, let a blameless life, and you can sort of get that. But let me take you back to 1 Kings chapter 9. Where the Lord speaks to David's son Solomon and says to him, "As for you, Solomon, if you walk before me faithfully with integrity of heart and uprightness, as David your father did, then I will bless you." It goes on. Same word. If you walk before me with integrity of heart as your father David did, even in verse twenty, Psalm twenty-five, which we looked at last week, verse twenty-five. David's prayer there says, May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, Lord, is in you. Same word. Integrity. So I do not believe David here is making a claim of faultless perfection. So he certainly couldn't claim that. You look at his life. He was a long way from faultless perfection. You look at his Psalms. They again and again recognise that he is a sinner and he needs God's mercy. But David did have a heart that was committed to the Lord, consistently. Consistently he knew who his God was, though he failed. And so there was a cohesiveness in his life between his faith and his works, between his word and deed, as there should be in our life. You see, our faith should impact how we live and the choices that we make. Otherwise, what do we believe? There are two congregations in view in this psalm, two churches, two assemblies. The first church, verse 4, I do not sit with the deceitful, nor do I associate with hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. The hypocrites, those who cover over. Men of vanity is the deceitful. People who just pursue emptiness. David says, I hate their assembly. I hate their church. I bore it. But Lord, I love where you are and I love your people. Verse 8. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Verse 12, my feet stand on level ground in the great congregation. I will praise the Lord. See, integrity will impact company. This is a harder message. Your faith will impact company. I'm not talking about self-righteous withdrawal and a rejection of others as being below you. But I I think David is talking about, and I am talking about, a sense of association and identity. My heart's desire. 1 John, chapter 2. John writes, Do not love the world or anything in the world. The world here being that world in rebellion against God, rejection of God. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away but whoever does the will of God will live forever. Do not love the world. We have been saved out of the world in rebellion against God. We've got a new identity, a new citizenship, a new family, new brothers and sisters, a new home. So, church really matters. The assembly that you associate with at your heart, your grounds of your identity, church matters. I'm not talking about the activities we do, although they may be important. I'm certainly not talking about the space that we meet in. I'm not talking about amateur hour every Sunday or prayers or sermons or songs. I'm talking about the assembly the congregation, the people and all that we do should help to build up the assembly. Despite our many imperfections and they are almost countless, you should love the church. You should love your church, your assembly. You should be committed to your church. You should be committed to serving others in love. You should be committed to putting a high, high, high priority on church because it reflects the integrity of your faith, what you truly believe. And if you don't care about the assembly of the righteous, what sort of faith do you have? Now, that applies to all of us. What priority does church have? I'm particularly going to challenge those of you who are a bit younger. However, many of you will grow up in Christian families or associate with Christians and sort of drift. You're part of church life. But there comes a stage in almost every young person's life where... They get their independence increasingly and they feel the tug of the world. The association with others. And there's lots of bright lights and big cities there. And frankly, this is amateur hour every Sunday. What do you believe? It tests it, doesn't it? it really puts it harsh on the line for the young person getting their independence what do i truly believe where is the grounds of my identity which assembly do i prioritize do i prefer the assembly of the saints or the assembly of the world is my faith the way of the righteous or is it not or is hypocrisy more my go? And many young people, I think, play that game for a bit. I associate with the world and then I come in with the family and the friends I have at church and a bit of this and a bit of that. It's not just young people though, is it? This matter of church really tests our faith. The integrity of our faith works itself out another way. You start associating with the values of this world David says, Lord, don't take my soul away with sinners, my life with those who are bloodthirsty, who would live at the expense of others, in whose hands are wicked schemes, whose right hands are full of bribes. It works itself out. Instead, David says, Lord, I, verse 1, I have walked in integrity. Verse 11, again, I don't like the way it's changed. There is a change of tense there. Verse 11, I will walk in integrity. I have walked in integrity, verse 1. I will walk in integrity, verse 11. My whole life is going to be one where my faith, my heart's desire matches my practice. And if there is no integrity in your life, and this is the challenge of this psalm, if there's no integrity between your expression of what you believe and the way you live, then there is actually very little grounds for assurance. If you despise church, if you're a hypocrite, if you like to associate with people of vanity and take up what they take up, if you are wicked, if you tear down others rather than build up others, if you are greedy and unjust, you need to seriously question your, any sense of assurance that you may think you have. Because there is really actually no evidence that you believe that you stand in the way of the righteous. You have little grounds for assurance. If you have, if you can ask God to examine your heart and say, Lord... My heart, despite my failings, keeps wanting to seek you. I keep wanting to repent. I keep wanting to put aside and turn back to you and and I want to be with your people as daggy as they are. Then there are grounds for assurance that there is integrity despite your failings. Another index that comes up in this psalm, however, is the way of the righteous is also the way of praise. Praise. Johnny recently, I think it was a Sunday morning, might have been Sunday night, I get confused, recently said, he learned at Bible college that good doctrine, correct doctrine, should always lead to doxology, which is a fancy way of saying, if you believe the right stuff about God, you can't help but praise Him. That's what David basically is saying here. David has confidence in God. And therefore, it spills out in his desire to praise. I don't sit with the deceitful. I abhor the assemble of the evildoers. I refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence. I'm looking for cleansing as I go about your altar, Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. Verse 12, my feet stand on level ground in the congregation of the faithful. In the great congregation, I will praise you. Praise promotes assurance. When you praise, it's a sense of standing up, confident and assured and saying, Hallelujah. Behold our God seated on the throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our king. I'm standing. God has put me here. Before him, and I'm praising his name. And as we praise, so our delight in God and our confidence before him grows. If you are struggling with your assurance, feeling downhearted, feeling unacceptable, beating yourself up, you know what you should do if you love Jesus? Take your thoughts off yourself. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, his nature, his goodness, his mercy and start to praise him and watch as you do your assurance grow. Two weeks ago, two Sunday nights ago, we had a... Night of worship and praise. Man, it was a great night. I'm sorry for those of you who weren't there. We had a great night. Songs and prayers and other activities, praising God. And I can promise you, as far as I could tell and talking to people afterward, everybody's assurance in the goodness and greatness of God grew. And they stood before him and they praised his name. People on the way of the righteous love to praise the Lord. They're lost in wonder, love and praise. Jesus loves me. (laughs) This I know because the Bible tells me so. Hallelujah. And my assurance, my confidence grows. The way of the righteous is the way of faith. It's the way of integrity which leads to being the way of praise. Not myself, Lord. I have no boast but you are great. I praise your name. See, is not boasting here. Everything is from the Lord. I wash my hands in innocence. Almost like going up to the temple and I have to wash myself to cleanse myself symbolically before I approach you, Lord. I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. My feet stand on level ground in the great congregation. I will praise the Lord. See, the tabernacle which David would have approached, with its altar there, was a symbol of God's presence and it was a symbol of God's mercy, that there was forgiveness, a covering over of sin. God's grace was manifested in his house the tabernacle. And David loves it because it's a constant reminder of God's goodness to him. It's all grace. David says, I will walk in integrity. Deliver me and be merciful to me. Again, translation, I wish deliver was redeem. It's more naturally the redeem word. Redeem me, Lord. We'll move on to the next slide there, Sam. Redeem me, Lord, and be gracious to me. The same word used in 25:22, which I said was also redeem Israel, O God, from all their troubles also translated deliver in chapter 25. This redemption word, so there's a price that's been paid so that David can approach God with confidence and stand assured. David has no boast except in God's redeeming love and his mercy. This psalm I'm hoping you can see, I'm hoping to convince you is all gospel. Because David's confidence is totally and only in the Lord and his free gift of grace, that you'll redeem me, Lord, that you'll be merciful to me. That gives him assurance. That enables him to stand on solid ground. My feet, he says, stand on level ground. In the great congregation, I will praise the Lord because of his mercy and his redeeming love. God is good. So Psalm 26, it's all gospel. And because it's all gospel, this psalm is really all about Jesus. We know that. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. He is God's mercy manifest. He is the temple that we approach God through. He provides atonement, covering over of sin through his sacrificial death. Jesus, Through Jesus alone, as we're told, can we draw near to God with full confidence and a sure heart and stand in the way of, righteousness, of the righteous. Jesus is the Holy One of God. He is Saviour from sin. He is light and life. This is David's psalm. This is the King of Israel's psalm. But this psalm is really... Great King David's greatest son, Psalm. The promised Messiah that would come from his line, who would rule and and reign eternally and redeem his people. Psalm 26, more than anything, belongs to Jesus. He can claim it without caveat. Judge me, Lord, for I have walked in integrity. I have trusted in you, Lord, and I will not slip. I don't sit with deceitful people or with hypocrites. I abhor evildoers, but I, I go about your house, Lord, and I love where you are. My feet stand on level ground. This is a psalm about the Holy Righteous One of God, ultimately. And it can only really be our psalm when we put our faith in Jesus and embrace his blood and his righteousness, my beauty is, my glorious dress. With joy shall I lift up my head, dressed in these beautiful, beautiful clothes. The grounds for our assurance and our highest praise ultimately is our faith in the Lord Jesus so that we can say with confidence, I stand on level ground in the great congregation, even in my local church, I will praise the Lord. It does perhaps I sound a bit uppity to claim that I am standing on level ground in the way of the righteous, but that is what God is about. That is what God wants to do. He is not calling us to self-righteousness. The living God is calling us to transformation through faith in his Son, so that we can say with confidence, I know God. I am forgiven. I live with hope. And it's all because of Jesus and what he has done for me. That is what our Father wants. He wants us to have that confidence. So I want to ask, are you standing? Are you walking in the way of faith? Jesus Christ is Lord. I've heard, I've believed and now I obey. I have integrity to my life and my faith. I have a heart that is for the Lord, for his ways and for his people. I'm in the fight against sin. I am repenting though I fail. I am turning back to the old rugged cross. And I can't help but praise, even at times falteringly. It's a funny thing, you know, if you're struggling, if you have no integrity in your life, I think it's hard to praise God. You've got to put on the show. But if there's integrity there, thank you, Lord, (laughs) however you do that. Thank you, Lord, because I need you. Do you delight in the grace and the person of the Lord Jesus? you keep going back to him? Thank you, Jesus. Is it true that on Christ's solid rock I stand? All other ground is sinking sand. That's the way to assurance. That is the way to have confidence before God. My feet stand on level ground in the great congregation. I will praise you, Lord. Amen.
0: So whether you you stand or you sit, I'll invite you to rise up in your spirit, uh, in your soul to think on God, uh, not so much on us, and even as we sing our last couple of songs today, uh, let the words that come out of your mouth minister to you even as you praise Jesus uh, for what he's done. Let's sing.